Hi, Dr. Griffin. So good to see you. How are you? Good morning. It's so great to see you too, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for coffee today. Yeah. To be here with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get going, I just wanted to start by congratulating you um, on earning your doctorate this year uh, during, during a global pandemic while you were uh, running a nonprofit organization as CEO, serving on I don't even know how many boards, uh, leading in your community, on and on and on, a, a wife, a mother, a grandmother. Um, how did you do it? I mean, there's so many things, and yet you earned your doctorate. And I just, I have so much respect for you, and I, I'm really excited for what you're gonna do uh, next with this new education and, and dissertation work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was an important endeavor for me and, and my family and generational um, experiences that I wanted to be inspirational to my children and my children's children, my nieces, my nephews. Wow. A lot of people, a lot yeah. of people. So I was really excited to have coffee with you today to talk about your dis dissertation because I read it and um, there's so much in your dissertation and I'm, I'm really excited to have you share with us some of the things that you learned and experienced in writing it, but it really does focus on why so, there are so few African-American black women that achieve this executive leadership level that you have in nonprofit organizations. And so therefore your dissertation is really focused on studying that gap that exists for African-American and black women between that mid-level of management uh, up into those executive ranks and really trying to understand what happens to these women on their journey to the top. And before we dive in to discussing this, um, I just wanted to start by having you maybe share what inspired you uh, to spend the last almost three decades focused on nonprofit leadership, specifically early childhood development, developing and providing educational programs to youth and advancing equity in education. Yes. Well, my first career job was in early learning. I actually was hired on by a clinical psychologist to help with his early learning program. He was running a state-funded childcare program in the city of Long Beach, California, and he inspired me to want to help the mothers and those programs be able to build their knowledge and their skills and their awareness around how to work with their children, how to be a community together and support each other. So that was my first body of work in, in, in my career path, helping other women to be successful and how they raise their children, but mainly how they did that, that raising, that child rearing together. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, so that's what set you on this journey. Yes. Really set me on this journey. Yes. So what, what ultimately pulled you towards wanting to complete your doctoral work in organizational leadership? Well, I chose organizational leadership because I have worked in a variety of organizations. As I shared, my first career job was an early learning program. I worked in several companies. And what I consistently have seen is that 
there's organizational development that's structured within those communities, but rarely is it centered around the experiences of women, women of color, and then even more central African-American women. So the career pipeline that we should be able to experience that would lead us to pursuing executive level roles is typically not there within organizations. Wow, so you're saying that the structures in place to build leaders and organizations in your own personal experience, even prior to your research, was that it didn't really fit who you were in, yes. those, in those organizations. Yes. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And most organizations, if you were to go in and look at their succession plans, mm -hmm. corporations, you see a, a white male, the successor is typically another white male, might be a white woman, but very rarely in the nonprofit sector yes. where the majority of leaders are white women, but serving majority communities of color, which is what I discovered in my research. And the, the, the pipeline isn't set up for the succession to be leaders of color who would represent the communities that they're actually serving. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. So it's very clear to me why you decided to go and, and learn and study and work to, to change these systems and structures. Um, so the women coming in behind you have uh, more of a pathway to the top. Yes, yes. Wow, that's so inspirational. So in your study, you specifically focused on studying African-American and Black women in, the, in our area, the Pacific Northwest, who like you have achieved this level of executive leadership. Is that correct? Yes. And so what, when you met with these women and talked to these women, uh, what were some of the things you found out or learned um, with these leaders, um, things that they did to, to also achieve this level um, in spite of all of those obstacles that they faced along the way and that you faced? getting to where you are in, in your current role? Yes, the, the most important part of my work was the direct research, working with women of color, Black women actually, and learning about their experiences and hearing their stories. And so I chose a phenomenological study because that is structured to hear what phenomenon impacted their experiences as they were working towards becoming executive level leaders in their organizations. And what they shared with me was some of them actually had a relationship early on in their career that helped inspire them, encourage them, move them along their career path. Others had what, what I talk about is self-efficacy. So they had a determination within themselves that that is what they were going to pursue in spite of whatever was thrown at them, in spite of what the odds were for them. And then there were others who just never even made it yet on that path, right? They, they had aspirations, they had the self-efficacy, but they kept running up against barriers yes. that would block them and stop them from achieving those goals. Mm -hmm. So to take one of the research questions directly from your study that you uh that you use to do your research. Um, what strategies, environments, and resources support African-American Black women in attaining and retaining executive leadership roles in the nonprofit business sector? Yes, so, so also in talking to these women, I asked them about their environments and, I would, and what environments they 
found themselves experiencing as well as what environments they believe would help them be successful. And so what I heard was spaces where there was great communication, open communication, where they were actually able to share freely about what their what their hopes and dreams were, what their vision was for the organization, and then to actually be heard by other leaders in the organization, the board of directors or, or donors, and so that they could, they could pursue the goals that they had for the organization. They also were looking for environments that were were open to them bringing them their whole selves into the organization. So not needing to what we call code switch, like leave themselves at the door and speak the language, be a part of the culture that is really set up for white leaders to be successful, but to really bring themselves, how they talk, how they view the, the world, how they have experienced the world into that space to truly help the the systems and help the participants that they're serving. Mm-hmm. So really, one of the one of the major things that you learned in your study or or showed in your study is that organizations need to embrace the authenticity of Black women for who they are, yes. and learn how to um, create space that where we can really. Um, tap into the amazing talent that Black women have. And as a result, I mean, its research has proven that when organizations do this well, it it hits their bottom line. I mean, there's a direct correlation to profitability. And so that's what it can feel so frustrating at times is like, well, you see the direct correlation. So why aren't people and organizations doing more to to do this so i really um hear what you're saying yeah and many organizations are touting they're doing diversity equity and inclusion work but don't really fully understand what that means so diversity is how many people right how many people of color are you allowing to be at your executive table right the the equity is do they actually have a voice that's their authentic voice at that table and then the inclusion is that they are included in the decision making at every level they're included in the strategizing they're included in the the visioning for that organization and so i think many organizations stop at the diversity right i have i have a black woman at this table that's good enough. Check that box, right? And so, yeah. uh, so, so that's one of the pushes that I have from my dissertation is to to make sure that organizations understand what an environment looks like that is truly diverse, that's truly equitable, that's truly inclusive of all voices and the leadership roles. Right, and being able to really determine that if it's there or not, and it sounds like it's. Um, that leaders in power looking at it from their lens of being white and saying it looks great, but the people they're not talking to are the people that you uh, specifically talk to in your study to understand how they felt and really that um, staying connected and creating that intentional conversation and space seems like a critical component. What I loved about your dissertation so much, Angela, I have to tell you, I had to read it two times <laughs> to understand it. And I still, I wanna read it a third time, but really you hit this from both an organizational lens and organizational leadership perspective. And you looked at the human, the individual person. 
So a moment ago, you mentioned uh, self-efficacy. And so can you tell us a little bit more about self-efficacy and more specifically about what you learned in your research about self-efficacy? Because I found this part so interesting. I'll pause and close my window. Okay. <laughs> crazy, like the sun, the sun comes in like, okay. Send, send some sun my way. Okay, so. Um, self-efficacy. Self-efficacy. So what I learned about self-efficacy is um, mainly using a theory, a theory that focuses on what self-efficacy looks like in a career pathway. And so it's being able to see yourself mm -hmm. as achieving a specific goal in your career. And yeah. so when, so if you see yourself as an executive director, then what are the steps you need to be able to take in order to achieve those goals? And every single time a barrier comes, someone blocks you, someone stops you, you don't get the promotion, you don't get the, the, um, the job that you applied for, then it impacts your self-efficacy, it impacts your self-will and self-desire to keep pursuing that thing. Right. And so that's that's what I saw in my research. The women who did not go all the way to their goal of being a becoming a self becoming an executive director is because their, their self-efficacy was negatively impacted by their experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and their experiences are, are unique to them because they're women. Right. So yes. you have the gender or sexism that exists. And then they're African American, so yes. the intersectionality of race and gender, yes. um, and those interactions over time just hitting them and keeping them down in their yes. careers. And you know, it's interesting as an executive coach, I coach a lot of people uh, and men and women on self-efficacy related things, and so. I'm familiar and I've experienced a lot of those journeys with my clients, but hearing you say that it's, you know, and, and when I read your dissertation, it's just so, I felt so much emotion thinking like every step you take, you get one step ahead and then boom. And just thinking steps. about my own life and like, if I would have been strong enough to go on too, right, you know, and just, um, just, I feel so much emotion about that. And, you know, anyways, well, I'm, I, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how your work, your, your research evolves and the impacts it will make on the world. Um, so in your role as an executive coach, where do you plan to focus your education, expertise and experience. What does this next chapter in your career and life look like? Yes, so so I had some recommendations that came out of my research, which then led to me wanting to actually be in a role where I could put into practice those recommendations. And so one is working with individual leaders on their career pathway, setting goals, setting action steps towards becoming executive directors, um, learning the culture of their organization, and then also building their self-efficacy to stay in there and, yeah. and stay in there. And, and 
um, I identify that there's external forces and internal forces, right? And so internally, leaders of colors need sponsors. They need someone in that organization, whether it's a board member, it's a, a it's a their current executive director if they're working towards becoming an executive director, or it, it, you know, it could be. I'm a coworker, but they need sponsors who will speak up on their behalf, yes. who will help them be more visible, who when they're in a meeting and they say something, that person will repeat back what they said, giving them credit for yes. what they said, right? I just heard Amy say, right? And so, so I work with them on identifying who are the sponsors within their organization. And if there's the opportunity to meet with that sponsor as well, then really making sure that individual has support externally is the mentorship, right? And so I really think, you know, we talk about the village in, in the African-American culture and some other cultures, but really identifying who are the, the, the leaders, the individuals who have achieved what you've, you, you're aspiring to. Yes. So I've achieved executive leadership, right? And so when I speak to an individual who's emerging on that pathway, I can share some of those experiences that I've had, some of those knowledge, that knowledge I have as a mentor to encourage them and support them. But I also encourage them to identify some additional people within their network who they can call on anytime they're, they're feeling down, they have a question, they're unsure about something or someone to celebrate with them, right? Because yes. the positive reinforcement is probably more important than the negative, right? Right, because if you're getting all these hits all the time, you need you, other people, you can get built up by other people. I know I have that community around me. I call uh, you from time to time <laughs> or another coach or whatever and say, hey, this just happened. What do you think? And it, we just, it takes us working together and connecting together in that community. I would love to have you come back and have coffee and talk more about, go deeper a little bit on the sponsorship, the mentorship, and some very specific advice you have for organizations that are interested in doing this, but they aren't sure how to start or, or are maybe taking the wrong approach without knowing it. And would you, would you be available to do that in the coming weeks? Maybe we can get back together and talk a little bit more on your experiences being a sponsor, being a mentor, and with hope that it will help more people um, on their career journeys. Yes, I would love to do that. I think, I think it's important to really understand some practical experiences that, that individuals are having, as particularly emerging leaders of color. That's, that's really where um, I, my, like my specialty lies within also working with boards as they are wanting to hire on an executive leader of color. So most mm -hmm. definitely yes. I will come up and share. Yes, helping navigate the board through that process. Yes. Well, well, Dr. Griffin, I just say thank you so much. And I'm just, I'm very excited that you are a resource for our clients. Anyone that is interested in doing this work, uh, learning from you, uh, I, we are excited to connect you to them. Thank you. So thank Thanks you for having for me on. Thank Take you. Care.